It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to This Week in the Big East. This is Episode 7 of our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools in the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara, and just when it looked like the king might be ready to abdicate the throne, wait a minute, (laughs) not yet. Villanova is still very much a factor in the Big East Championship race that now has two teams up at the top and another three teams looking up at those two in the standings with a little bit of wiggle room to go over the next couple of weeks. Kevin, what we have here is a bona fide race to the finish line schedules packed. It's going to be frantic. And isn't that the way we usually expect it to be? It is John, but not the way that Providence fans were hoping. They, they they hope for an easy ride to their very first big East regular season championship. (laughs) Sorry, Friar fans. It's not that easy. It's really, really hard to win a league like the big East. And that was certainly on display uh, earlier this week with Villanova coming into just a crazy Dunkin' Donuts Center. But, John, uh, Providence 11-2, and Nova 13-3. and They both have four games left, and they both play each other on March the 1st. My guess, it'll come down to that game. Yeah, it's going to have to come down to that game, I would think. And like we said, there's a lot of action to be played between now and then. So there are a couple of other curveballs that could be thrown, but that's got to be on everybody's radar, not just in Providence. It's got to be on Villanova's radar as well. No, I would think so. Uh, we have Jay Wright on the show, and I know he probably doesn't want to play Providence anytime again soon. And, right. you know, I, look around the league. Connecticut is really winding into shape. Marquette's Marquette. Uh, I think Seton Hall's still struggling to get, you know, into better physical condition. But the league, everyone can see March. All right, let's take a look at this week's Big East headlines. The marquee matchup thus far in the Big East season was Tuesday night this week in Providence, and Villanova's performance was in championship form, handing the Friars just their second league loss of the season and their first loss at home this year. Wildcats are now back within one game of the Friars in the loss column. In that game, the preseason player of the year in the Big East, Villanova's Colin Gillespie played every bit like the player of the year. Career-high 33 points combining with backcourt mate Justin Moore for 52 points, including a dagger, a three, with less than a minute to play to keep his cats very much in championship consideration. UConn has surged into third, three games back in the loss column with two weeks to play with wins over Seton Hall and St. John's this past week. Inside and out, it's beginning to click for the Huskies. Three Big East teams are ranked in this week's Associated Press Top 25, two in the top 10. Providence, Villanova, and UConn are representing. Marquette also in the coaches' top 25. Xavier receiving votes in both polls. In the NCAA net rankings, five Big East teams rank in the top 34. Six are in the top 71. Eight are placed in the top 78 nationally. I'm also thinking about sleeper teams for the tournament in a few weeks. And wouldn't surprise me in the least bit, Kev, to see St. John's figure out a way and play their way into championship or NCAA contention. Johnny's have won three straight on the road, including a win at Xavier this week. What do you think? Pretty impressive win at Xavier as well. And, and uh, from end to end, really a dominant performance by the Red Storm. And, you know, John, for some of, the, some of those games, Posh Alexander was not in the game, in the lineup because of injury. Just the combination of Posh and Julian Champagny, I I don't want to see them. It's a neutral court in the Big East tournament. 
but it's not a neutral court in the Big East tournament for St. John's. Certainly a dangerous team at the Big East tournament. I think we can all agree that St. John's playing in the garden is probably something you'd like to avoid if you can. Hey, thank you to our Westwood One affiliate stations for being with us this season. Thanks for catching us on Sirius XM. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast site, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review. Thanks to all of our podcast partners. And for the more on the podcast, you can always visit the website where we have it posted. It's twitby.buzzsprout.com. You can always listen to the show online, westwoodonesports.com and bigeast.com are the places to go. Inside episode seven this week, you know, is anybody surprised that the preseason favorites have made their claim for that top spot again in the conference race? Jay Wright joins us to provide some details on how his guys are stepping up at the right moment. National College basketball reporter Jeff Goodman tells us how he deals with a raucous crowd and where Big East teams figure into the national mix right now. And with so much experience showing the way on the floor this season, at Marquette, a young guy has the keys to their ignition, and he's turning on that switch. Tyler Kolick joins us next, this week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Big East Spotlight. The inbounds goes to Marcel, who leaves it for Kolick. Kolick, directing traffic, comes across midcourt. Student section on their feet in the eyes of the Marquette Golden Eagles. Lewis spins in the paint, lays it in. What a beautiful move as he bounced off two different defenders to tie the game up at 54. And welcome back to this week in the Big East. And one of the central themes to the current season has been the experienced level of play on the floor, mostly with more seasoned players. But at least in one instance, a scholastic sophomore leads the way at Marquette. Tyler Kolick was the rookie of the year in the Atlantic 10 at George Mason, transferred to the Golden Eagles in the offseason, and his team has been one of the pleasant surprises this season, without a doubt. Tyler joins us this week in the Big East. You know, the transfer portal has been a major factor, no question, for a lot of guys like you and a lot of teams, Tyler. When did you know that a move might be right for you in your career? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, at the end of last year at George Mason, uh, my coach actually got let go. Um, so, you know, that, that was a big reason in, in uh, me leaving. And, you know, they, they changed the rule also this year where where you didn't have to sit out if you were to transfer. And so so that kind of kind of played a key role because, you know, I, w- I wouldn't have wanted to sit out a, a full year of basketball. That that wouldn't have been any good. But, I mean, probably would have gotten a, a waiver anyways. But, but yeah, I mean, once Coach Smart started to recruit me um, and the rest of the staff market, I, I knew it was just right. Hey, Tyler, I, I'm curious. When you make a leap like that, you know, it's kind of a leap of faith. You, you, you kind of believing in a new coach, believing in a new staff, new system, new school, you know, a different part of the country and a new league. Uh, did you expect to make this type of impact right away or maybe is this is your clock maybe speeded up a little bit no I mean I always had during the recruiting process um high expectations for myself um I mean I I always say I picked right the first time going to George Mason and I picked now I picked right the second time coming to Marquette um you know during the process I always told you know all the coaches um that were recruiting me that you know I kind of I wanted the same opportunity that I had at George Mason you know 30 plus minutes a game, you know, the freedom to really play my game and, and not be kind of held back or restricted at all. And, you know, Coach Smart and the staff has done a great, great job really giving me the freedom and, and letting me kind of kind of take the reins to the offense and everything. And, you know, I felt like if I, if I had that opportunity, then, you know, I would succeed anywhere just because the work that I put in and the trust that I have in the work. 
Well, you know, by nature, Tyler, being a point guard as you are, a lead guard as you will for, for an offense, you got to have a tremendous amount of confidence. And it certainly sounds at least first couple of minutes here that you're not lacking for that. So how do you feel that your game has developed? And, and at what stage did you really realize that, hey, you know what? I have to feel like I can do it if I'm going to do it. In other words, have that confidence. Yeah, I mean, confidence is everything. You, I mean, basketball is such an – especially college basketball is, is such a roller coaster ride. I mean – one game, I, I can speak from this year. I mean, one game I can go from scoring eight at Villanova and win, uh, sc- scoring 18 at home against Villanova to, you know, the next game scoring two points against UConn. So, I mean, your confidence can never get too high or too low. It's kind of kind of got to be an even keeled. But, you know, you're not going to be good if, if you're not confident in yourself and confident in the work you have. Uh, you can't really, you know, wish shot, wish shots to go in, wish passes to, to get to the spots. You kind of got to gotta gotta know that the shot's gonna go in and believe it's gonna go in and believe that you're gonna make the right pass and that's really where the confidence comes from tyler's uh, scoring and shooting have really gone up in the last uh, couple of weeks john but right from the start he's been an assist guy and you know if you look at tyler's background he averaged 2.3 assists a year ago at george mason it might be triple uh this year uh tyler at marquette you could lead the league in assists by the end of the year is it is that just the role that Coach Smart has asked you to play? Yeah, I mean, I just I like to take what the defense gives me. Um, I mean, these past maybe six or seven games, uh, like you're saying, my scoring was up, but that was only because you know defenses were playing me a certain way because because I was passing the ball so well, um, getting getting great shots for our team. Uh, but you know, like like I just like I said, just taking what they give me, and a lot of teams were going under the ball screen, and you know. I wasn't shooting the ball with with a lot of confidence early in the year, like you were saying before. Um, we were talking about confidence, but I mean, you know, I've always been known in high school and you know, at George made my first year, at George Mason, you know, as a shooter, scorer, um, not not so much as you know the lead guard. I was kind of off the ball a little bit more, um, mm-hmm. but you know, I've I've always I've always liked to play both. I mean, I like to be on the ball, I like to be off the ball, but you know, the role for me this year is on the ball, making plays for my team, and you know, that's what I'm going to do. Tyler Kolick, uh, Marquette guard, joining us this week in the Big East. All right, so uh, I asked you, uh, you know, uh, a question a little bit earlier about, um, you know, looking back just a little bit, but let's look at this team right now. And when did you realize at what stage of development this season did you realize, hey, this is no ninth place team. This is a team that can contend. Is there a moment that, that really popped in your head? That all starts in the summer, um, just building the repertoire with your teammates uh, and, you know, the confidence that, that Coach Smart instilled in everybody, um, and just the work ethic. I mean, in the summer we we got in, we got in here every day uh, in the practice facility, and we really got after it. And you know, you could see those guys really really had a tenacity about them and and the will to win. And, and I feel like that's the biggest thing. Just you know, guys that want to win and don't necessarily care about you know their individual points or assists or rebounds. You know, just guys that that want to go all out and play for each other. Marquette's season changed for the good with a seven-game winning streak in January. I'm wondering what the team learned during that period, Tyler, and maybe the expectations kept changing with each uh, passing win. Yeah, the expectations definitely changed. Um, you know, we started the league 0-3, uh, so, you know, something had to change because we knew that we were better than that. And I always said I thought we were five or six plays away from being 3-0 and in those games, uh, you know, all close games. You know, just just having the confidence in each other and, you know, the trust in the coaching staff to to really get after it and, you know, started off on that streak against Providence, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, 
but no, I mean, the expectations definitely did change. And, you know, we had a tough loss against Butler. And, you know, maybe at the beginning of the year, people would have said that'd be, you know, maybe Butler would de definitively win that game. But, you know, that was that was kind of a, a disappointing loss on, on our part now because the expectations have changed for us. Tyler, um, I'm going to get you to squeal on a teammate or two here for a moment. Who's the most fun for you to play with? Who do you look for? you know, on the floor when you know you guys need a bucket? And is that mutually exclusive? Are these different people? Uh, Yeah, I would say I would say it's different people. I like I feel like the most fun guy to play with is Cam Jones. Um, there was a stretch there where I saw somebody tweeted. It was he hit, I think, four threes in a row on, on every single play. And it was four assists for me. So, I mean, I, I like to, you know, when my when my guys are hot, I like to find them in transition, find them in the half court. And I, I feel like I have a great feel for, you know, when a guy gets it going, when to get him the ball, where to get him the ball. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of people don't, don't realize that at the college level, they don't realize, you know, when a teammates, you know, got it going to, to really feed them. I'm big. I'm a big believer in you make one or two shots. I don't care what shot you take next. I mean, that's how I've always played. I mean, I've always one or two shots, the next shots going up from 30 feet in high school. <laughs> but, but I mean, and then, uh, you know, the guy I, I like to give the ball to to get a bucket. I mean, obviously, our, our leader, best player, Justin Lewis, um, leading scorer, biggest player of the year candidate. Um, I mean, I certainly think that he deserves it. But, you know, we actually in the Villanova game, he he took over down the stretch. Uh, I think he scored maybe seven in a row down the stretch. And we're down, I think we're down two or something like that. And, you know, I called the play for him. Uh, we ran this this high screen for me, handoff to him. Uh, came off it, he got a layup, and then we ran the same thing next time down. Was when he hit the three to to win the game. So I mean, he's been he's been great all year. You know, kind of kind of embracing his role and, and taking on the challenges of of being the top guy in everybody's scouting report. Hey Tyler, last one. Uh, you, you grew up in a basketball family. Your dad was a very good player, scored a lot of points in Division three in Massachusetts. Your older brother uh, played at Franklin Pierce. Uh, you were always the little guy, and, and now you're the big star. So uh, how how is that dynamic, and how often do your dad and your brother check in to just see how things are going here in the Big East? My dad's as invested, maybe if not more invested, in, in my my basketball career to this point. Um, I mean, he he's he loves basketball, and he he loves me and my brother. Um, so you know, it just kind of kind of goes to show he. All those hours he was in the gym just rebounding for us, you know, you know, giving us uh, little tips. Because like you said, I mean, he was a great player in his own right. Um, so, you know, it's kind of just, you know, seeing both of us playing at the college level uh, doing well is kind of kind of a good satisfaction for him. I mean, he kind of lives vicariously through me and my brother, you know, at the games. And if you ever see him at a game, he, he, he can't be sitting still. He's, he's a nervous guy during the games. But, you know, I, I love him for that because he cares so much. But. Yeah, me and my brother, um, we, we didn't have the best relationship growing up, but, you know, ever since we kind of started playing in college, we kind of grew closer together and checking in with each other more, for sure. Thanks to Marquette guard Tyler Kolick for joining us. All right, who's hot? The Big East Players of the Week, the players to watch, and our blast from the past are all next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East. Who's hot? Now Bynum comes off the screen, top of the key, penetrates down the lane, scoops it up off the rim, goes in! Good job by there, Bynum right there, but you see Watson being in the game, he drew two defenders on that worrying about him. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook, Kevin McNamara, 
Time to take a look at the player of the week, and it was actually last week's player of the week. Kevin, Providence guard Jared Bynum, two weeks in a row. Uh, Bynum's only game of the week sparked a second-half rally that led the Friars to an overtime win over DePaul, 25 points, seven rebounds, six assists in that one. Did you know Providence, in the 43-year history of the Big East, has never had back-to-back player of the week winners? Can't say I'm surprised, but I tell you, if anyone's deserving, it's Jared Bynum, the most improved player. If we have that award, I think it's a runaway for Jared Bynum in the Big East this year. He's become, remember Dana Barrows up at Boston College? John? Right, right. He, he's he's almost been that dynamic scoring-wise. And this was a kid who, you know, was a pesky defender, very good passer. He was not a deep shooter. Now he is a true weapon for Ed Cooley. Most improved? He's got to be on that list, right? You know, there's a long list. It's a great league, a lot of good players. But statistically... I don't think it's all that close. It'll be very interesting to see what happens at the end of the year. Big East freshman of the week this week, Arthur Kalum of Creighton. We talked about it with Greg McDermott a week ago, but in his only game of the week, 16 points, seven rebounds, and a couple of blocks in a win against Butler. Creighton has two, three players that could be candidates for freshman of the year this year. So I, I got an idea. So we're going to give the award to Creighton, and they can <laughs> split it up three ways because that's the way it should be. Yeah. <laughs> and it's probably best for team unity going forward because those three guys are certain big-time building blocks. Are on the honor roll this week. Tyrese Martin of UConn, we've talked about him, I think, every week. Uh, he averaged 17, almost 18 points, nine rebounds in a two-in-one week for the Huskies. Ryan Hawkins from Creighton, we visited with him earlier this season as well. 22.5 points, seven rebounds, three-and-a-half assists in a perfect week for Creighton. David Jones of DePaul, you know, he had that triple-double we talked about last week, and then he had another 19-10 and 10 in the overtime loss to Providence. Justin Moore, Villanova, <laughs> I don't know what else we can say about the guy. He had an unbelievable first half against the Friars this week. Jack Nunji from Xavier, 22.7 rebounds in a one-in-one -one week for the Musketeers this week. Man, that's a stout honor roll this week. Yeah, Jen, I want to go back to the first guy, Tyrese Martin. You know, Connecticut had a couple slip-ups, you know, about a week or so ago uh, with typical February difficult Big East games. I tell you, I think he's the alpha dog for this team. You know, Sonogo is as good as any big guy in the Big East. R.J. Cole is certainly an alpha dog. But Tyrese Martin, when he plays well, when he has the ball in his hands, when I just think UConn feeds off his energy and his explosion, he's a really, really good player. Checks a lot of boxes. And I know that Dan Hurley really values him. Our Big East Blast from the past this week, celebrating 40 years of great moments inside Madison Square Garden at the Big East Tournament. Turns back the clock to 2006, 16 years ago, when Syracuse was a threat behind a guy named Jerry McNamara, who had a week where he rarely missed anything. McNamara, three-point roll! Hit a three-point runner, Andy Kennedy watching to make sure it was a three. And with point three to go, Syracuse keeping its NCAA hopes alive on the runner by McNamara. What fans may forget is that Syracuse was actually the defending tournament champ in 06, but the Orange struggled for them to a nine seed in the, as the Big East tournament got started. It was just the sort of motivation McNamara needed, and his Syracuse teammates fed off of his energy as well as his passing ability. They had a last-second buzzer beater from the top of the key to beat Cincinnati in the opening round, a 30-footer from McNamara to send the UConn game into overtime where the Orange ultimately won, and then GMAC had 13 dimes in that one as well. 
They were down 15 and on the bench with a groin injury. McNamara came off that bench, found Eric Devendorf for the winner to beat Georgetown in the semis. And then he successfully steered the orange ship to the championship win over Pittsburgh in the finals. They were the first team to win four games in four days after finishing seven and nine in the regular season of conference play. It was all piloted by Jerry McNamara, Mr. Syracuse grad yourself. There's a lot to say there, John. First of all, it brings back great memories again, as a Syracuse person. And Jerry is not my younger cousin, but I I tell people that when I go up to Syracuse, New York, (laughs) I I also was, was writing a book that year inside, inside the big East and really got close to Syracuse and to see, you know, this one play it's, it's the best individual performance in a big East tournament. You know, Kemba Walker had a great run for UConn as well, but Jerry McNamara, there's no way that Syracuse can win that big East tournament. And, and the maybe their only way into the NCAA tournament without that, it, it, it was an unbelievable and memorable Uh, certainly run in that Big East tournament. Well, you can be a part of future memories like those. Single session tickets now on sale for the 40th anniversary of the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden. It will take place March 9th through 12th, and Ticketmaster.com is the place to go. And before we get there, we've still got a race for the regular season crown that will most likely go right to the wire. Does Villanova head coach Jay Wright have his horses ready to run? That's next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. Big East Focus. Moore, bounce pass to Gillespie along the baseline left side. Back out to Moore for three. Got it! 45-36, Villanova on top, 10-52 to play here in the second half. It's a 12-0 run. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. And man, it is good to be king. It also means that you're constantly looking over your shoulder at the wannabes, but at the same time, you kind of know what to expect. That's Villanova in the Big East, a defending champ fighting from behind for much of this season, maybe even losing a round or two along the way, but still with a team that's more than capable of delivering a knockout punch on any given night this year, as they proved earlier this week. Head coach Jay Wright joins us this week in the Big East. And Jay, I know you got an immensely talented backcourt. They proved that earlier this week. What's your takeaway from the challenge thrown at you by Providence earlier this week? Well, a lot to learn from that game. Um, you know, everybody we play, John, we try to learn from it, get better. And, and uh, these guys, um, number one, you can learn from marketing. That that place, the, the dunk was incredible. Uh, I, I would think I was going to ask you guys, are they still filing people out of there? <laughs> it was, I've never seen an arena Seems that like size. It. Yeah, with no no aisles, there were no aisles to be seen. I, I don't know if they were selling seats in the aisles or what, but it was just people everywhere. It was it was a really, really cool environment. Really, and it you know what it, it always is when we're up there. But th- this one this one was on another level. So we we learned you know some mental toughness. I think our big guys learned a lot from playing against Watson. Uh, he's so good at sealing and keeping his position and outworking you. Um, I, I think we, um, I think we, you know, we got to get a lot better garden off the dribble. We, we learned that. Um, so a lot of good lessons. You, you can, you can learn a lot when you win, but you, if you, I think if you're humble enough to look at good teams and say, you know, what did they do to us? What do they do? Well, that we can learn from that. There was a lot to be learned. Jay, I'm curious. I don't think we've spent enough time and, and there hasn't been enough maybe talked and written about the recovery that Colin Gillespie has had from his injury. 
Can you take us through what he did all summertime? When was he finally back to being, you know, a, a, an elite player? And certainly he looked as elite as anyone at Providence this week. Yeah. You know, Kev, you know, I haven't, we haven't talked a lot about that because, you know, I feel like nobody wants, to, you don't want to sound like you're complaining or anything, but we, we had an incredible off season where, you know, Caleb Daniels had myocarditis and, and was shut down in April and was not allowed to do anything. Not, I mean, literally nothing, not even shoot a foul shot until September. And, um, and Jermaine had, uh, surgery on his finger. Colin it was coming back from the knee surgery. So Colin had a major rehab where Colin really wasn't allowed or cleared to do anything um, we, at we, full speed or live until defensively, mid-August. We have some length. And, and we weren't here. So, you know, it really started at the beginning of September for him. So hmm. I, I think sometimes, you know, we look at these these guys like they're, they're machines, but when, when you sit out from, you know, that was like March till August for him. I think it's taken him some time to get back to 100%. Now he's got this ankle injury. You know, he, he hasn't practiced. He didn't practice today. He's, he's had a tough year physically, but he, he's tough as nails. And, and, you know, as we all saw, he, he's got the heart of a lion. AJ, coaches don't like to hear this, but don't let Colin practice anymore. It doesn't seem it doesn't seem to hurt him. <laughs> I know. And you know, and you know those players are thinking that too. He he and Justin haven't practiced in like two over two weeks now, and they're playing pretty well. So you know they're thinking that. And the other guys are definitely thinking, they're thinking, like, why am I going through all this? <laughs> These two are getting all the shots and playing great. Why do I have to do this? Yeah, I can believe that. I do want to talk, Jay, for a moment. Is uh Villanova head coach Jay Wright with us here this week in the Big East? I want to ask you about Eric Dixon's improvement because it claimed, seems to me that you guys have begun to become that that fuller team. Uh, that more complete team as his improvement has really been marked really throughout the entire season. Early in the year, his presence was slim, but now this time of year, he's a force in there for you. You're right, John. He really does complete us. You know, we, we, we've never, I shouldn't say never, but we, we, we don't have a lot of guys that you can go to in a low post and it's not just going to him. It's, and this is going to sound crazy, but like we just think the world of, of Watson and, you know, they're, they're able to come off the bench also with Croswell, which it, that that's a force in itself, those two. But for us to have at least one guy that can physically match with them. Now, he's not on their level yet, but physically he could bang in there, could keep Watson off the boards a little bit. Yeah. You know, in the past, it, we had no one in there, you know, and um, that's that's really become important for us to just have that presence around the rim that presence in the low post and he's a really smart guy that gets better every day jay i'm curious if there was a low point in your season uh my guess is it could be the baylor creighton back to back then you put together a long winning streak uh, this is a young team although you don't play your your freshman as much as you probably like to um was that a low point and, and how, how have you built since then yeah it, it definitely was kevin it was it was a really um, strange time because you know we had a really difficult preseason schedule. Um, I, I really felt like going into the Baylor game we were just we were just spent. But it, it doesn't matter, you know. I mean, you, you still go through that. You get beat up pretty good. You know, it doesn't matter if you say to the guys like, "Hey, it's our schedule. It's my fault." It doesn't matter. You, you got beat up, and it's in your mind. 
and then you come off the road and you're getting ready for finals and then you go out to Creighton, you know, it just, I think a lot of it that had to do with just our mindset at that time, which is not an excuse. You, you have to be mentally tough enough to handle everything that life throws at you, everything a season throws at you. So to your point, it was the low point, but we weren't discouraged. We, we knew we had been through a really strenuous preseason schedule. We knew we just went on the road against a very good Creighton team. And um, we were not discouraged, but um, definitely was our low point. I'm going to violate uh, every tenant in the coaching book right here, Jay, for you, because uh, clearly, well, I know you've got some some games to play and Providence has some games to play. Uh, there is a return match looming between the two of you on March the 1st to play at the Finn. A uh, long way to go before then, but I, I wonder if that has crept into the back of your mind yet that you got to play these guys again. It's funny, John. It's what I said to Ed after the game. I said, great game. You guys are a great team, and I don't want to play you again. <laughs> uh, it's exactly what I said to him. It's exactly what I said to him because, you, you know, we just felt like we survived that, you know, like there was obviously that game could have went either way and we were just hanging on, hanging on. And, um, you know, a lot of Providence Villanova games have come down like that. If you remember, um, sure. you know, Chris Dunn, you know, some tight games, an overtime game here, Chris Dunn hit a huge shot at the end. Um, the other great little guard before Bynum. Um, Kyron Cartwright? Hits, yes. Cartwright. Some great yeah. big-time shots against us, like, at the end of the game. And, and, you know, that just game came down to both teams were making big shots. Colin just hits the last big shot, you know. And um, and so you you realize how close the teams are and, and how difficult the next game is going to be. Um, my only other thought there is, like, we just both need to get through this league and not beat ourselves up and, and hopefully get to the tournament and play somebody that doesn't know us so well. Yeah, Jay, I'm going to ask you to be analyst and not coach for a little bit. The league uh, looks like seven teams are in position for the tournament right now. Who, who knows what can happen between now and at the Big East tournament? What do you think, uh, besides yourself, with, with those top chunk of teams in the Big East? You know, Kev, I, I sound like a broken record. I say this all the time, but there's no doubt in my mind this is the best basketball conference in, in the country. And, um, you know, you just just look at St. John's Xavier last night. If St. John, I, we're not even counting St. John's as a bubble team, right? If we even with our seven, correct? No, no, no. But no one is surprised at that outcome. And it wasn't like they played. It wasn't like St. John's played um, over their heads, or they just played the way they play every night. You know, they've they've had injuries with Posh Alexander. That's a team that's capable of being an in-state tournament team. Um, right. Look at look at DePaul. Every one of us has either lost to DePaul or been in a dogfight with DePaul start to finish. And, you know, they've beaten teams out of conference that are that are going to be NCAA tournament teams. I, I just I just think uh, a lot of the teams in our league um, are intelligent, experienced basketball schools that they live for it and and they can beat anybody in the country. You know, I look at teams like Marquette. Um, we really struggle with. They have, they've, I think they have six quad one wins. I'm just so proud of this league where it is and, and, and so um, blessed to be a part of it. Thanks to Villanova's Jay Wright for joining us. You know, family squabbles are always good when they're in your backyard, but how does Big East infighting affect the big picture or does it? 
Stadium's Jeff Goodman joins us to consider that thought next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. The National Perspective. Durham drives to the left, goes all the way down low, got it rejected, gets his own rebound, goes back up, can't get it. Watson offensive glass, score! And one, he got fouled! Playing big boy basketball in there. Durham missed the shot, got his own rebound, power move up to the basket. Watson gets the offensive rebound and scores in traffic, picks up the foul. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. How does the February frenzy play out in the Big East, and how does this frenzy affect the teams inside and outside of the league purview. Noted college hoop reporter, analyst, Jeff Goodman with Stadium and the Field of 68 podcast, watchstadium.com. He joins us this week in the Big East. Hey, Jeff, the the Big East had a frenzied moment in time earlier this week with Villanova flexing some muscle at Providence. With time left before tournament play, uh, what kind of a statement did that make within the Big East and nationally, do you think, in your opinion? I mean, I think it made the statement that, listen, the, the, while Providence had a had a, a lead, a two-game lead, the league still runs through the main line. There's a reason they've won two national titles in the last five, five years or so. It still runs through them because they're just that team that, while Providence was a team that had an incredible record in close games, you trust Villanova and what they've done. And you look at somebody like Colin Gillespie, and you just say, like, he's the dude that you want in the biggest moment He's probably not the most talented point guard. He isn't in the country, but there's not a point guard in the country I would rather have on my team in a key game, a key moment than Colin Gillespie. No, totally with you, Jeff. Uh, you know, Providence, as you said, a nine and oh, I think in games decided by five points or less before that one. Uh, and, but look at Villanova. They've won their share of uh, last second, last couple of minute games as well. And now it's been five years of Colin Gillespie. He won't be the national player of the year, but. He's going to be in the running as per usual. The, the craziest thing, guys, is, and I'm going to write a story on this in the next day or so, but I remember having a conversation with Jay Wright at a hotel, a Hilton, I believe, in Minneapolis. So it was after Colin Gillespie's sophomore year, and we were talking about it, and they come off, they were a sixth seed, and they had been blown out by Purdue in the second round. He's like, yeah, I just don't know if this guy is good enough to really you know, be the starting point guard for a team that's that's a, a real contender. And now he laughed about it when I brought it up to Jay after the Providence game. He said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not a really good evaluator, especially early on. I did the same thing with Ryan Archie Diacono, and he turned out pretty good. Yeah, I would say so. Good. You know, and, and one of the big keys here, Jeff, is the fact that, and Kevin just mentioned this, you know, uh, Gillespie's been around for five years. The game is changing and angling more towards older teams. Right. You look at all the teams that have won national titles recently. And, you know, I think there's a reason that John Calipari started to kind of blend the, the young, talented guys like Ty Ty Washington with the experienced guys like. Uh, Massachusetts's own Kellen Grady and mm -hmm. Severe Wheeler and Oscar Shibwe, right? You can't win. And I think Kay and Cal have understood this and have kind of pivoted a little bit. Kay, not as much this year, but he's still got some guys that are a little bit older, right? Wendell Moore and Mark Williams is a sophomore. So I, I think they realize like how talented they are these days. You better be old and Villanova's old and Providence is old and Look at a lot of the teams right now that are in the top 10. Most of them are older. Jeff, what does this do to one and dones in, in the college game? Does, do they still exist? Yeah, I mean, you, you see it, right? The top guys, the, the question is going to be, again, the G League, how many of them, how many they're going to get? They'll probably get a handful a year. 
you know, they got Jalen Green last year, who, who obviously was a top pick. They'll get a couple of those every year. Overtime elite. I just don't know if it's going to sustain itself now. They're plucking kids from high school, so I don't know if overtime elite sustains itself. Um, you'll still have your 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 one and dones until the rule changes uh, when and if that is. You know, Jeff, we really haven't talked about NIL, NIL on uh, this week in the Big East much. Uh, we know that it's made its way deep, deep into college football already. College football recruiting here in the spring. The stories are just, uh, they, they just blow my mind. All us old guys, we still think college is pure, but it, it really isn't in college football right now. Uh, how quickly is that going to seep into college basketball at the plus-plus level? I think it's already there to some extent at all major schools, but not at the big-money college football level. Yeah, I mean, I listen. I had lunch with Jim Beheim last week, and and Buddy Beheim's made over a hundred grand. Uh, Colin Gillespie's probably making a hundred grand this year, and those aren't guys that are like going out there actively to go get it. That's not their personalities, right? Like some guys are all about the attention. Colin Gillespie and Buddy Beheim are the last guys that are all about the attention. You know, all they're doing is probably hiring somebody to sift through all of the different endorsement opportunities. You know, Gillespie surprises me a little bit because you're in Philly. You know, like, no matter what, you're behind all the, the the pro sports teams. It's like in Boston, like, even when, like, Jared Dudley was here. How much would Jared really have made? Ultimately, they weren't on page one of the Boston Globe, even when they were 20-0 and 0 when Dudley was here. Jeff Goodman from Stadium. Watch Stadium.com joining us here this week in the Big East. All right, so let's let's take a look at this year's um, tournament setup because now's the time when we can really take a good hard look in terms of getting into the, the NCAA tournament. From the Big East Conference, are there still seven teams that are worthy in your estimation of moving on? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'd be surprised right now if there's not, right? I mean, you, you, you've obviously got – you saw it with kind of the, the cream of the crop of the league, and, and that's Villanova and Providence. I think they're both, you know, in the mix somewhere in that kind of today, probably on the like the three line, I would say, you know, somewhere in there. And then to me, you know, Marquette, Xavier, UConn, Seton Hall's yep. right on the bubble to me. Like, I think Seton Hall's got some work to do here, and Bryce Aiken has really hurt Kevin Willard, you know, him being out. You know, he had a guy that was kind of a closer. Um but I think those two, yeah, Seton Hall and Creighton. Actually, Seton Hall's fine. They're in. They're in. <laughs> Forgive me. I'm not a bracketologist and things change so much. Creighton's got some work to do. Creighton's the one that, yeah, Creighton's yeah. the one that. And listen, to be honest, the job Greg McDermott's done with this young group, oh. to have him even in the equation this year, Seton Hall was so good early and they've fallen off. Um, we'll we'll kind of see what they do down the stretch. They should get in, but. Again, without Bryce Aiken, in this league right now, like you just don't know. And if you're not whole and you're missing your best closer, your best score, and, you know, listen, they got some games coming up, DePaul at home, Butler at home. As long as you win those, you're fine. You just can't go through a stretch where kind of they went through where they lost. I think they lost four or five at some point this year coming back off that 17-day break. Hey, uh, Jeff, last one. I won't put you on the spot too much. How about sure. the two best teams that you've seen this year who can be standing in, I don't know, is, is it late March or is it early April, the national championship game? Yeah, it's early early April this year. 
no, nobody's counting, but there's 47 days until the national title game. Uh, but nobody's counting because uh, <laughs> when we get home, you know, hopefully all the jobs will be fill, full uh, yeah. filled at that point. And maybe the sun will, will be come back. Orleans. I don't know. I don't know how hungover I'll be uh, coming back from New Orleans, but so I got to I, I got to tell the story after the, the the Providence story. You can't let me go without telling my Providence um, student story. Go right but ahead. I would say Gonzaga and Kentucky to me, guys. And honestly, the separator, the differentiator for me is point guard play on both teams. Gonzaga, Andrew Nemhard, one of the better point guards in the country, pass first guy. They've also got a freshman named Nolan Hickman who can give him 15 minutes, super talented. And then Kentucky, you have that kind of two-pronged approach. And Ty Ty Washington, who's a combo guard who can do whatever you need him to do. Can you tell that Providence story in less than a minute? Yeah, so I get there, and the, the students are right behind me, and they're yelling at me, screaming at me, we hate you, Goodman, or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, I got to think quickly on my feet here. Um, so what I did was I grabbed five of them. I said, hey, come with me, guys. And they're like, well, where are we going? Uh, I said, well, I'm going to buy you each two beers. So we went up top. I bought them each two beers. I said, hey, you got to give one of them. You can't drink both. You got to give one of them to a buddy. And uh, after that, they kind of protected me. They were right behind me and they protected me. So <laughs> it was a boy. good night. It was a making, good safe night for, for making for, friends for, with the enemy. I love it. No, no, John, do it. no, John, he, he was buying a bubble of protection. That's what he was doing. <laughs> I'm not stupid. I'm, I'm I'm 50 years old, guys. I've learned. <laughs> Thanks to Stadium College Hoop reporter Jeff Goodman. Who's got next? Some opportunity exists on the schedule, and just who is primed to take advantage of that? That's what we'll talk about next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. Who's got next? This week in the Big East. Martin out front to Andre Jackson, who circles, drives inside, Andre to the basket, and he threw it down, right-handed, and he hit the floor, no foul call, 7-5 Husky. John Rook, Kevin McNamara, this week in the Big East, who does have next? Okay, let's start with Saturday. Xavier, they're reeling a bit right now, Kev, maybe fighting for some seating as well. They got to go Saturday and start off with uh, UConn in a game in stores. A tough draw for Xavier right now. They've lost three of four. They... They could really use a game to get their feet back under them. Instead, they have to go to UConn. And you mentioned stores. Big difference, it seems, this year for UConn when they play on campus at Gamble Pavilion and when they play downtown in Hartford. Uh, You know, we'll let Dan Hurley work on that going forward. But I know that at Gamble, they're very comfortable right now. There's a doubleheader on Sunday on FS1 on uh, Fox Sports 1 television. Providence plays at Butler and Marquette plays at Creighton. Both of those will be significant for the standings, I think. Yeah, dangerous games for both road teams, I think. Again, Providence coming off their loss to Villanova. Certainly want to get back on their feet, but Butler has been started to certainly have some more bite at home. Absolutely. And then Marquette at Creighton, you know, that Midwestern rivalry, it's a difficult game whenever you go into Omaha, certainly for seeding, NCAA tournament seeding purposes. The Friars and Marquette certainly would like to keep winning. Well, if Providence of Villanova was the marquee, next Tuesday, we got a pretty good follow-up. Villanova plays at UConn at the XL Center in Hartford. That's big in so many ways. Can UConn, John, maybe work their way into a top four seeding in the NCAA tournament? There's definitely a path, and it would begin with a win over Villanova. And then on Wednesday, Xavier plays at Providence. I think that's important, again, for Providence. Xavier could be the desperate team. Butler will play at Seton Hall. Seton Hall's got to get back on the right track here. You know, those are games where the home teams have to protect their home court, the Friars and 
and the Pirates. But uh, I, I tell you, I really like the way Butler's playing right now. I, I think they're pointed in the right direction. Creighton, you know, desperate team, NCAA tournament. You know, Greg McDermott has done an unbelievable job with such a young roster and a league filled with old rosters. And then Xavier, we talked about it. Really tough draw this week with Connecticut and Providence. Hey, our thanks this week to Marquette guard Tyler Kolick, Villanova coach Jay Wright, and stadium's Jeff Goodman for joining us. Thanks to our flagship radio stations, as always, for their broadcast and their highlight assistance. Thanks to our producer, Kevin Collins, executive producers, John Paquette, Rick Gentile, and Kevin Ivany at the Big East. Thanks to all of the coaches and administrators at our 11-member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. Find us on Twitter, at Broadcaster. At Kevin McNamara 33. If you have questions, send them to us. Use the hashtag TWITBE. Twit me. Stay safe out there. We'll be here same time next week for this week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.